Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Bob Frazier. Thanks for being on the show again, Bob. It's good to be here with you. Yeah, it's it's been fun just catching up a little bit before the show uh, with you again, Bob. But in case you, you haven't heard of Bob, I would encourage you to go back and listen. Just a couple of weeks ago, we had a show number WS496. It came out February the 29th. I would I would encourage you as a listener to go back and listen to that if you didn't and uh, learn more about Bob and and just his expertise and superpower in this business and, and and just how successful he's been. But but I wanted to have him back and quickly a little about him. He is on a mission to help investors take advantage of one of the most effective and overlooked avenues in real estate investing, residential mortgage notes. As founder and principal of Aspen Funds, he has purchased more than 1,000 mortgage notes earning double-digit annual returns without the risk and volatility of traditional investing options. Bob, thank you again. I want to just jump right in. I know we we're going to talk about just you know scaling a real estate investing business, and you know I just wanted you to elaborate as much as possible and let's dive into that topic. Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, I have a lot to say about that. I've uh, I've got a long history of scaling businesses, and in fact, it's the main thing I love to do is take a little tiny business and just piece by piece grow it. And it is I don't know why I get such a kick out of it, but uh, it's not no, as easy I, I, as most people think, though, right? You know, it, it, oh no, people, no, no, no. Pe- people is, like you make it look easy. Oh, it is, it is so challenging. And yeah, I'll give you a little bit of my secret sauce, you know. But I started in the tech business and raised forty-four million dollars in venture capital. So that really got me understanding capital. So of course, one of the keys to successful real estate scaling business is you got to scale the capital side. And there's so many different kinds of money which we can talk about. And each one has different expectations and, and different kinds of ways you have to approach the capital, different ways you sell the capital, different ways you make the capital happy. And, you know, that's maybe, you know, for another time, but nothing they teach you in business school. Okay. They don't teach you how to do this in real estate school and business school, how to raise money, but it is absolutely critical to your success as being able to successfully raise money. And I've, I've started from nothing many times and, You just get a few friends and family, and what you do is you take care of them. And, you know, we started with a million and a half dollars eight years ago in this business and other people's money. I didn't have a million and a half dollars at that time. And, you know, we just grew it piece by piece. But I'll I'll give you a couple of the the little secret sauce, and you just jump in here whenever. Yeah, let's do it. You know, the, the first thing is I pointed out, you know, to scale a business, you need capital. And... Really, what you do, what you have to do, is treat your investors like fa- your family heirlooms. I mean, I treat my investors so doggone well, and part of that comes from having been an investor. You know, uh, I really I know what I wanted, and you know what you don't want. You you want transparency. You don't want somebody who's like sits on the money and no idea what's going on, or somebody that's making it prettier than it actually is. You know, the the truth is, if there's bad news. I can deal with that. What I can't deal with is you hiding the bad news from me, you know, or marginal news, you know. 
I, uh, we were looking at doing a Reg A Plus, which is basically a semi-public company, and you need to report literally every single purchase you make, every transaction you make, any lawsuit that's happening, any anything. And that's the way I run my business. Anyhow, even though I don't have to do that, I tell my investors absolutely everything. And you let them judge, you know, let them. And the rule is no surprises, right? No surprises, of course. I never want to be surprised. So you got to take care of them by communicating, transparency, and even make sure they get paid first. There's a couple of times that I didn't take my management fee in order to make their preferred return. And even though I had the right to take my management fee, but I just don't want to do that to my investors. Right. Well, guess what? After eight years of doing this, I have my investors come back. They bring their family and friends. They refer me. They, they love working with me because they know I care about them and I'm not trying to take advantage of them. To elaborate on how you how you treat them so well, like you talk obviously communication. You know, everybody says you know communication is so important, but I'd love to know you know how you have been successful with that, and and just some things that stand out to treat you know treating investors so well. I I could show you my newsletter. So I put a really good newsletter together every single quarter, and with all the latest news, pictures, you know, I, I communicate with them. I make myself available for phone calls. It's interesting; people don't call me, you know but I'm happy to take the calls from my investors. We do an annual shareholders meeting. So with, with where we do video, video broadcast, as well as host them in town and buy them the meals and, and everything. But the numbers don't lie. I mean, really taking care of people. So, so for instance, one of my first funds, we, I realized out of the gate, my management fee was structured wrong. So if the shares dropped, the share price dropped, and then it went back up, I got paid on the gain. So if I just chopped my share price, I could get make a lot of money. Well, I about panicked when I found this out because, you know, we had losses coming out of the gate our first quarter, and I'm realizing we we're going to make it all up the next quarter, and I'm going to get paid on this. My investors aren't getting paid, but I'm getting paid. Well, alarm bells go off. I immediately wrote the lawyer. You know, we changed our PPM, and I made sure I took none of that money. And that's just an example of where it's investors first, period. You take care of your investors. If you take care of them and you nurture them and you treat them like the family heirlooms, well, they, they keep coming back and they keep bringing their money and they bring their friends. It's not and, all rocket science, is it? I mean, it's really no. thinking about how you would want to be treated. That's exactly right. It's the golden rule, you know. And the same, you know, there's three other constituencies that you've got to keep happy to scale a business. So capital is first and foremost because nothing happens. Without capital, and you know, this is shows about syndication, it's OPM, other people's money, which we all love other people's money. And as long as you treat that money well, you will get more of it. And if you mistreat it, you will get less of it. But the other constituencies are your customers or your sources. So one of the things we've done, we are now one of the premier uh, partners in our space. We're, we're the preferred customer for a lot of our sources. And well, why is that? Well, when we came into the industry, it was actually done just a lot more shady, a lot more sketchy. We simply don't do business that way. We paper everything. We do what we say. None of the handshake or, or just there's a lot of faultiness in the, in the, the way the trading was done. We cleaned it all up. So any trades with us are done with transparent pricing, with just the different standards. I don't want to go into all the details, but we did it right. And then we performed every time when, we, we, when we've said we're going to take a trade, we take the trade. And we do exactly what we, what we say. Well, now we become the main P 
people everybody wants to work with. Surprise, surprise, you know, because with us, we don't, you don't get surprised. You know, you want to want to be the one everybody wants to work with. And for example, we sold a bunch of products on a, on an as is basis. And one of the guys bought one of our products and tried to return it. And we, and we took his return. We didn't have to return it, but we thought, ah, the relationship is worth it. You know, right. we've bought a loan. We're ready to flip, you know, well, we find out there's a lawsuit attached. Well, we could just flip it out, you know, because we don't need this lawsuit, you know, but we don't flip it out. We don't, we don't, we, unless there's full disclosure, we'll tell everybody what exactly is going on with the loan. If they still want it, we'll sell it to them, but we're not going to do that. Well, guess what? Everybody wants to work with us. And we never take advantage of any of our trading partners, even though we could. And so again, what happens, we become the dominant trading partner. Everybody wants to work with us. They like us. We're nice guys, but we do what we say. They really trust us. And surprise, surprise, we, we have everyone in our industry has, has supply shortages because the product is really hard to find, not us. We're one of the few companies that has plenty of supply. Why? Well, we treat our, treat our customers. Well, again, what is it? The golden rule, right? Treat them like you want to be, want to be treated. I love how you talk about it. It's not just the investor that you're trying to treat well, no. but it's really every relationship in the business is so important. That's right. And your, your third constituency, you, you ever work for someone who is, who is an a-hole, you know, and don't be that guy. Be the right. good guy to work for. And I was the worst employer ever, you know. I mean, I just was driven and didn't know how to manage people, but it's completely different. I know how to manage people with a soft touch. I know how to motivate people. And, and so this is your third constituency is your employees, because the truth is anybody who's been in business a long time knows that you are, you are limited entirely by your staff or, or accelerated by your staff. And having a super skilled, super motivated, happy staff, there's nothing like it. So I spend a lot of time recruiting. I spend a lot of time vetting people. I, I actually spend a lot of time reading people, getting to know what their strengths and weaknesses are. I never try to change people. I try to figure out how people are wired. And then I, I create a job around them. I find the right people, create a job that fits them. And guess what? They're super successful and they're super happy. You know, I don't get my sales guys trying to be operations. I don't get my, my admins trying to sell. You know, that stuff, it just doesn't work. You just make people unhappy. So your third thing is you got to treat people super, super well. And it's a magic to build a high performance culture. It's absolutely magic. A high performance, high fun culture. How do you do that? Well, it's absolutely doable. And be a master of recruiting, be a master of creating culture, be a master of placing and developing people, which are two of my biggest passions. I don't know why I just get so passionate about developing others. So I love figuring out who people are, who they're really wired to be and then draw that out of them. And there's no substitute for skill. If you're gonna scale, you know what happens, a lot of, there's a good book out there called The E-Myth. I can't remember, but he, he basically, what the author's name was, uh, but, he, but he said, basically you need to work on your business, not in your business. And the big problem, so you get these super, super great real estate gurus, you know, who are really good at real estate, and, and they end up being so busy, they can't hire people. They hire admins or low level people, and it just becomes chaos. You, you hire three or four people and you just end up creating chaos because you don't know how to manage people. You need to step back and work on your business, meaning work on the systems, the protocols, the, the operations. And to do that, you, you have to have people that exceed your skill level. 
So I've done that. We've spent the last eight years cultivating recruiting, super talented capital raising team, super talented acquisitions, product acquisitions team, and a super talented operations team to manage, manage it all. And super, when I say super talented, I mean some of the best in the industry. And to do that, you have to keep them happy. Um, I love and, how you're talking about, you know, hiring people that are, that, that are more skilled than you. You know, I'm, I'm really at that point now where I'm hiring people like that. That's but it's, awesome. But initially, it's everybody, all the listeners know I've done numerous shows on like hiring virtual assistants and how we've used them and things like that to do, to take lots of, of tasks off my plate. But those are really like repetitive tasks or things that's that, right. that, that, that are. That's not true. That's scaling level one. Right, That's right. Level and one. now you're, I love how you're talking you about. You be able to do more. You, the expert, be able to do more. But it doesn't let you go to the next level. The next right. level is when you, you actually build an infrastructure and build a management in, infrastructure and you hire senior manager and senior people who develop their own departments. And that's scaling level two. And to do that, you're going you're gonna to chunk up some money. But, that's for sure. But, you know, would you work for free? You know, <laughs> Right. That's right. And you if know, you want the, somebody that's skilled is, so like you, you're talking about, you're going to have to pay for it. Yeah. And this is this is where and this brings me to kind of one of my other points is that I know a lot of people that can't go from scaling number one to scaling number two. And the reason is they freak out over the money. They freak out like, oh, my gosh, this big salary. What if, you know, I have a dip and. And this is where you must have a basic level of financial acumen to be to successfully scale. I remember when I started my tech business, I you know I you know forty four million dollars in venture capital. I remember freaking out because I was I was a computer programmer. I didn't know anything about you know finances, and I hired an accountant. And I wanted one one number. I said, "How long do I have to live?" That's the only number I wanted. Just how long? <laughs> Give me the number of months, and I paid the guy you know, way too much money because I wanted that one number and I wanted that one number updated, you know, on a weekly basis. How long do I have to live? And today I laugh at myself because that's not that, that's not that hard to do, but you must have a basic financial acumen. And really it's this, it's creating what's called a pro forma, you know, maybe, maybe your, your investors know what a pro forma is, but it's just a future piano. So it's like, hey, month one, here's my income and here's my expenses. Month two, here's my income, here's my expenses. And you need to make it real. Okay, so let's say I hired this guy and I pay him and we put that in the expenses in the next month. And then, you know, from there on, well, then how much is he going to earn? Well, okay, there's a lag. Let's say it takes 60 days or 90 days from to come up to speed. But then he starts producing this and, that, and you, you look at the numbers. Can you float it? Can you float it? It's not rocket science, but it's something that escapes. It's simply addition and subtraction, you know, every month in the future. But it's something anybody can do. And that's, I always get super confident in being able to hire people because I spend the time to do my pro formas. And I to know when I can scale and when I need to hunker down. And so ultimately, burn, you know when you can it. afford them. Exactly. You've got to know if you can afford them. And it's not rocket science. It's addition and subtraction, but take the time to do it. People, that's, again, it's working on your business, but I, I find people don't spend time building pro formas. You know, I'll tell you a funny story. So I remember when I was raising this money for this tech business, well, I wrote this incredible business plan that I thought it was incredible. Today, I look at it, it's one of the worst business plans I've ever seen in my life, but it was, it was a gem to me, you know, and I spent six months writing this business plan and I go pitch to these venture capitalists, okay, 
and I go pitch these venture capitalists and they would always, the first thing they do is give them the book. They would open it up and flip to chapter eight, which was the financial plan. What's your finance plan, which is your pro forma. It tells you how many people you're going to hire, how much you're going to spend on rent, how much you spend on marketing, all that. And I get so mad. I start going, I'm like, Hey, read the marketing plan. Hey, read the product plan. Because the truth is I really kind of BS on the financial plan because I didn't know how to do it. And I got so mad. And I finally figured out today when I look at a business plan, you know what I do? The first thing I flip to is the financial plan. Yeah. <laughs> because I can learn everything about who they're going to hire, how fast they're going to hire, how much money they're going to spend on marketing, what their gross margin is going to be, what their growth trajectory is. And I can see how much time they spend on it. I can see how much skill and management they have. I can see everything literally in five minutes. I know, I know everything I want to know about that business. And so people don't spend enough time running their performas and developing their true business plan. And the truth is the more sophisticated investors you get, I mean, there's what's called dumb money, you know, no offense, mom and dad, you know, but that's, that's your dumb money, you know, <laughs> but if you're going to get non-professional money or skilled money, not dumb money, you have to do this. You have to nail the financial piece. People just aren't, aren't going to give it to you. And also I'll say one other key is not outrunning your P&L. You know, one of the biggest challenges in scaling is knowing when it's time to hire somebody and when it's not. And most businesses fail. I believe something like 95% of businesses fail because of cash flow. Mm. They don't manage this. And that's such a big deal is to, is to manage the cash flow. So it's don't outrun your P&L. Make sure you can float, you know, the, the challenge, you know, what you're planning on doing plus a hiccup or two. So we just have a couple minutes before we have to go, Bob. But, but you know, you talked about just being a master of recruiting and how much you like that and creating the culture. And this isn't something we've talked about on the show much before as far as hiring at this level. Talk about hiring VAs to get things off our plate, to create more time so we can focus on other things. But I love talking about it, thinking about, you know, hiring people that are much more skilled than I am to do the tasks even that I'm doing That's when so you it really can be done better. trajectory. Yeah. You want to raise capital. What if you hired the guy that was successful in raising $100 million in capital? Okay. You know, well, that's a game <laughs> that's changer. That's a game changer, right? But that guy's not going to come cheap. He knows he knows what he can do. And he's, he's going to make make you the money or he's going to raise it for someone else. Give us a couple tips on recruiting, like finding people and how we should outside of, okay, now we know we can afford this person. Uh, we have some cash flow. How do we find that person that we want to hire that's more skilled than us? Uh, and how do you go about you that? All my secrets? Yes, okay. please. Quickly. You know, well, I'll, I'll tell you, there's a, there's this amazing, amazing website called LinkedIn. And literally you get recruiter light pro it's a hundred bucks a month and you go find people, you search for keywords that have capital raising, capital, blah, blah, and you go, you just, you put a, post a job description and you go ping these people and invite them to apply to your position. It's as simple as that. And then you need to read people. Some people, they don't want the big commission. They don't want, they just want a job. They want nine to five. So you got to know what kind of person you got in front of you. You know, so a lot of, a lot of the real estate guys in your, that are probably listening to this podcast are cowboys, right? What I call the cowboys. They, they, don't, they would never want a nine to five job, right? There's like allergic hours. Um, but a lot of the guys you may hire, that's what they want. So you, you got you to gotta shift your mindset and realize that that's what 90% of the people out there want. They want a freaking W-2. And that's okay because that gives you the upside. 
you know, gives you the, the equity position, so to speak. What about salary versus hourly? Yeah. I, yeah or commission? The higher end people you're going to salary, you know? So, but you know, that's all, all negotiable. You know, if you're, if you're hiring a six figure guy, they're going to, they're going to want a salary plus a bonus plan, but and that's okay. The guy who can raise you the money, but then he's also going to want to come in and say, okay, I can raise the money, but I got to have something good to sell. Let me, let me make sure you're for real and make sure your operation is ready. So we've been super successful in raising capital. And yeah, I got a good guy doing it, but we also have a, have a, have a heck of a product. So you got to, again, it's timing. You can't hire that guy before you have the product ready. And you know, so it's, it's a little bit of chicken and egg thing over and over. But, and, and then the, the way you're recruiting, recruiting is selling. And I love selling. But the way I recruit, I tell my vision. I, t- I raise, my, raise my vision up the flagpole like a flag. And when people get excited and they look at you like, wow, that's awesome. And they salute the flag. That's your people. When people look at you like you have five heads and they freeze, you know, that's not your people, you know? So again, that tells me it, people self-select in or out by their body language and everything else. So that's, that's the way I number one tell if they're my people, are, are they, are they ready to do, ready to have my, the pace I'm after, ready to have the attitude I'm after, Ready to have the you know run with the vision that I'm after, and people that get excited, you just they can't hide it, you know, and and you can't fake this stuff, okay? So that's the number one way is I cast vision. I cast vision for the job, the position. I cast vision for the company. I cast vision for our environment and our value system, and again, see what people do. So uh, that's love that's it. The number one, Bob. Way. We, we could talk about this forever. I know, unfortunately, we are out of time. But, you know, quickly tell the listeners how you like to give back and then also tell them how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, we, we basically have, we give to charity every single month. So out of our profits, that's one of the things that we, we love to do and also doing internships. So we love to bring in young people on board and, uh, and do internships. We've been always doing that and it's always a challenge, but we love it. And how can people learn more about you? Aspen Funds, like the tree, Aspen, A-S-P-E-N-F-U-N-D-S dot U-S. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.